Good morning, everybody online. Pastor Wayne here from Summit Church of Douglas County. We're getting ready for church to start in about five minutes, and we're really excited that you're here. Do me a favor before we get started. Would you share this link with a friend? Pastor Wayne H. on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, uh, now Rumble, Instagram, all those places. That'll help us promote the ministry and get the gospel out there. We have got a great gospel message today, but we're going to be getting ready in two Thursdays to start what we call the Alpha Course. And here's a little promo that describes what the Alpha Course is. Check it out. Having conversations about life, faith, and Jesus is hard. And this is interesting because at some point, everyone wrestles with life's big questions. Questions about hope, purpose, meaning, and love. Imagine creating a space where people in our community, our friends, neighbors, and coworkers, can come and have conversations in a way that is authentic and unforced. Where leaders don't need to have all the answers and anyone can ask tough questions and share honestly about what they believe. That's what Alpha is all about. Alpha started in a church in London years ago with a simple idea to engage friends who might not typically go to church lives were transformed and it began to grow all over the world today you can find alpha in schools coffee shops church buildings prisons and homes and so far millions of people have experienced alpha so what is alpha alpha is a series of interactive sessions exploring the basics of the christian faith in each session you eat food listen to a talk and have discussions in small groups Eating food together creates space for people to connect, relax, and build friendships. The talks tackle core questions about life and faith from a Christian perspective. And the discussion allows people to unpack these ideas without fear of being corrected or judged. All of this is done in a fun environment where anyone is welcome. There are three main sets of talks you could use. The Alpha Film Series, Alpha with Nikki Gumbel, and the Alpha Youth Series. Each is designed with a different audience in mind and is typically run over eight to 12 weeks with a weekend away where there are opportunities to experience worship through music and moments for prayer. Alpha also comes with everything you need to empower others to be involved, like discussion guides and training videos for you and your team. And all the talks and tools are available online and can be downloaded for free. By running Alpha, you're creating a space where people can connect with each other and connect with God. Sign up, get started, run Alpha today. Hey, good morning, Summit Church. How are you today? You guys doing all right? Who's glad to be here? All right. Maria's glad to be here. I'm the rest of you. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. We got a fun day planned. We have some testimonies from the players that are going to be playing in the big game today on the screen. And I have a very special challenge. So you think and pray about this today. We are taking donations for the Hope, Help and Hope Center of Castle Rock. We, this is a tradition we do at the church. You'll see we got an L.A. Rams box over here and a Cleveland or uh, Cincinnati Bengals box over there. And um, if you brought a can of soup, you can put it in one of those boxes. And we're going to do a scoring prediction for the church, okay? So a can represents three points, and a cash donation represents seven points. 
So during the greeting time today, put, put something in one of those boxes. And uh, even if you give two bucks, it'll count as seven points, okay? And then at the end of the day, when I take the boxes back, I'll post what our prediction for the Super Bowl score will be as a church. And all proceeds will go to the Help and Hope Center of Castle Rock. Does that sound good? It's a fun, it's a fun tradition. It's a great way. The Bible says consider ways to spur one another on to love and good deeds. So this, I'm just considering a way to spur you on to generosity for the poor in our in our uh, world. And by the way, you can give donations to the Help and Hope Center year-round. They take food donations, they take clothing, they take furniture, they take lightly used materials. If you don't know where it is, it, you remember where Village Inn used to be <laughs> on Wolfensburger and Park Street? Go north on Park Street about a mile, maybe a little less, and it's on the right there. And they take donations Monday to Friday in the mornings. And uh, some of you have watched my Jesus Taxi show. Uh, this week I did an interview with the, one of the directors of the Help and Hope Center. So go to the YouTube channel this week and, and watch that episode. It's going to be a, it's a, it's a fun way for you to learn about Help and Hope. So why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing about God's amazing grace. One, two. Shout it out with me. 
John and I thought we'd play electric guitars and just basket weave with you today on two electrics. I know I, I don't play electric a lot. Yeah, I mostly play acoustic in this church, but sometimes I just gotta dig out the electric guitar and go crazy. Is that okay, everybody? So I know it's a little louder than normal, but look at loud. <laughs> anyway, let's open with prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be healthy enough to get up out of bed and come to church. That you're with us, Lord. You're for us. And you're working things out for our good. And I pray that today would be a day where you teach us more about who you are and that your word would just come alive in our hearts. That we'd be more like Jesus as we look at how you revealed yourself through so many miracle signs and wonders, men and women in the Old Testament. You revealed yourself in so many different ways. Lord, reveal yourself through us. Jesus, come shine your light in us. Thank you that you're still doing miracles. There's a line in this next song that I love so much. It's in the, the bridge. It says, you turn seas into highways. Now, have, who's reading the one your Bible with me right now? We're right in the middle of the story of the Red Sea crossing. That God turns the Red Sea and he makes it a highway for three million people to cross from Egypt into the promised land. How many want to see the tape on that one when we get to heaven? I want to see how God did that one. And when you talk to people who don't believe in the stories of the Bible, they think, well, they're too fantastical. There's no way that could have happened. I thought about it today. I was like, have you ever been in an earthquake? Yes. God could certainly do that. <laughs> if you've been in an earthquake, you know God can shake the whole earth. If he can shake the whole earth, he can easily give a part to the Red Sea. That's like just God taking out his comb and going, neat, neat. there you go, Moses. Go there you go. Says, Walk that way. You turn seas into highways. I love it. Think about that as we sing that song today. I've searched the world. Well, I've searched the world.
actually put the one-year Bible verse on the screen for me. I think it's in the lineup. On the one-year Bible today, Matthew 27, 54, the Roman officer and the other soldiers of the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. But you know that's who Jesus is. He's not just a good teacher. Wasn't just a nice guy, a brilliant philosopher. No, he was much more than that. He was the very Son of God. Start reading your Bible on a regular basis. Mark it up. Make some notes to yourself. Keep a prayer journal. Write down your thoughts and prayers to God. Write down your prayer requests so you'll know when God answered them. And you go, wow, God, look how you helped me. I like going through my old journals from previous years and going, wow, I remember when I went through that. Whoa, that was a hard time in my life. Thank you, Jesus, you saw me through that. Man, if we don't keep track of his promises, we'll forget. We get spiritual amnesia. <laughs> Speaking of like, you know, the Red Sea and the Israelites, they got spiritual amnesia. <laughs> the very God who parted the waters, they get out into the desert and they start doubting and they're like, Moses, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Couldn't you have just killed us back there where they could give us a decent burial? But don't you remember? God got you here. God split the, the sea. I didn't do this. God did this. And if he brought you this far, he's not going to let you down. He's not going to leave you. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. No matter how, how hard things are, we're going to sing one more song here. Why don't you stand with me as we sing Build My Life. And let's just, let's think about Jesus being that anchor for our souls as we sing this one together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever win. Yeah. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, we live for you, Jesus the name, Jesus the name above every other name, Jesus the only one who could ever sing, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
say hi to someone, give them some knuckles, a hug, a high five, give someone a wave online or a poke or a what's up or a thumbs up, share this link with a friend, we'll get started in a minute. Hey church, if you're joining us online, glad you're with us today. You can go to our website to make a donation, go to mysummitchurch.com, click the donate button or do that on our Facebook page. You can text to give by texting this number 303-625-9434. Enter the amount in your text and press send. Follow the, follow the prompts using your smartphone. 100% of what you give to text will go to the ministry. We're so glad you're joining us. You can also mail your gift to Summit Church, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be doing sort of a cross-reference study today of Jesus in the Old Testament. So we're going to have a good time. Hope you can stick around, share this link with a friend. We're going to keep the ministry going. Get in the word today. Look at this. Okay. We got nine points over here for uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. And we've got one more touchdown for the Rams over here. Okay, everybody? So 
Cash gifts count as a touchdown. Cans count for three points. And then all of that's going to go to the Help and Hope Center of Douglas County tomorrow when we give them the bread, and it's going to be awesome. Um, I'm, I'm excited to show you a little promo. Uh-oh, we got more. We got more. Oh, we got a Bengals fan. Awesome. I have a friend. Oh, no. Oh, no. There's more. There's more. Oh, it's going to be a tight race. The tight race between the two teams for Super Bowl. We call this Super Bowl Sunday, S-O-U-P. Like a can of soup, Super Bowl Sunday, and it's what we do to kind of benefit the the food bank in Castle Rock. Glad that you're with us here today. I have a friend named Jess Stainbrook, uh, and uh, he was in the Jesus Taxi a couple episodes ago. If you go to my YouTube channel, you can see uh, he's a filmmaker from New Jersey, and he goes to the Super Bowl every year to Press Week, and he, get, he collects testimonies of the the people who are the champions that are playing in the Super Bowl and he did it again this week and I'm going to show you some of the players that are going to be playing in the big game today talking about their faith in Jesus and how how their faith has made a difference on the field so check it out on the screen Unexplainable. 
And I think sometimes just being able to say, you know what, like even in the good times, can I make sure that I'm making things about other people? And that'll help me when I go through the bad times because I'll have more people in my corner, more people that believe in me, more people that I was there for them. You know, certainly I'm a believer and, and uh, you know, believe that my faith has put us in a position to do some really special things. Uh, my family is very important. I've just, I, I've had so much fun, you know, play this game. And, you know, my, my motivation, like I touched on earlier, my motivation coming in to, you know, every single day is to run the race in such a way as to honor God um, and the passions that, and the um, talents that he's given me. Yeah, I think I've told many people that, you know, I, I lean on my faith a lot uh, when it comes to football and just my life in general. And, you know, I know God's going to be there uh, to help me throughout the ups and downs. And so as long as I keep him, you know, in my life close to me, um, I know, like, I, there's nothing I can't do. Anytime a player across the field on practice squad, it, the situation wasn't what they wanted to be, maybe they were struggling on the field, maybe they were struggling with something off the field, and, you know, we would be able to have some type of connection and not be able to tell them that's the extent. Like, look, man, maybe God is doing this. You are putting, allowing you to go through this. <laughs>
that Matthew the tax collector, he was an IRS agent for Israel. <laughs> he was the guy that would knock at your door and audit you and go, uh, pony up, you need a little bit more money, some for Caesar and some for the temple. But right? he was the guy, and he is the one who brings this, of the Gospels, one of the most detailed genealogies of Jesus. The genealogy is kind of like saving the receipt. <laughs> this is the history of Jesus. This is where we know he came from. You can trace this person to this person, this person to this person, this person to this person, and you follow the paper trail <laughs> from Jesus to Abraham, right? And we can follow the trail from Abraham to Noah, and from Noah to Adam, and from Adam to God. That Jesus is the second Adam from above. That Matthew brings the receipts. And I'm going to show you how we can trace the receipts of Christ back to these Old Testament passages that we know we serve a Jesus that's legitimate. Jesus wasn't cheating. <laughs> he really is God's perfect son. It's not a bait and switch. It's not a magic trick. God did this faithfully. And Matthew brings the receipts. And so let's look here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the record of Jesus' ancestors. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah the descendant of King David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Point number one here today, Max, if you go to the next one, Jesus is God's lamb. This first part of, of, of verse two, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. What's the story? of Abraham and Isaac. I want you to turn with me to, to Genesis 22, verse six. Hey, will you bring the volume down just a little bit on my microphone? I think it's like the third or fourth channel there. Somebody, Johnny, we can just bring this down a little. 22, verse six. Abraham and Isaac are going on a camping trip. <laughs> God says, I want you to take your son Isaac to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him there. Whoa, this is the son I've been praying for. And now you want me to sacrifice him to you? He says, yeah, that's perfect, thank you. I want you to sacrifice your son on this mountain. Jesus came in the type and the shadow of Isaac. Or in the, in the Hebrew pronunciation, a little more, it's still ringing there, John. It's ringing, bring it, bring it down just a little more, sorry. So here's what it says in Genesis 22. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. He placed the wood of the sacrifice on his shoulders. What did Jesus do with the cross? He placed the wood on his shoulders and he climbed a mountain, Mount Calvary. Isaac climbs Mount Moriah with his father and while he himself carried the knife and the flint as the two of them went on together, Itzhak, or Isaac, said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the wood and the fire, said the boy, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? God will provide a lamb, my son. Abraham answered, and they both went on together. And when they arrived at the place where God had said, told Abraham to go, he built an altar and placed the wood on it. And then, then he tied Isaac up and laid him on the altar of the wood. And Abraham took the knife 
and lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord appeared or shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, he answered, I'm listening. Lay down the knife, the angel said. Do not hurt the boy in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your beloved son from me. Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a bush. And so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering on the altar in place of his son. Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. This name has now become a, pro a, a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. On the mountain of the Lord, it has been provided. You know, you can go to Jerusalem today and they don't, they don't know exactly where all these things may have taken place. We do know where the Valley of Gehenna is. We know where the Temple Mount is. Of course, in Islamic tradition, the Dome of the Rock, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, they believe that is the stone of Abraham, that that is the old Mount Moriah stone. Of course, Islam teaches that it was Ishmael that was to be sacrificed, not Isaac. Of course, <laughs> the, the book of Muhammad flips the story, it changes the story. But you know that, that Muhammad's book was written at least 650 years after our book, you understand that? So if somebody was changing the story, I don't think it was believers. <laughs> I think it was somebody else. All right. And so you could go today to the place where they think Golgotha may have been, and it's a bus parking lot. <laughs> it's just a parking lot. <laughs> We're not sure. But the place where Christ was crucified was probably a very common place. In the, in the same way that we bring shame on criminals, we don't give them any honor. They would crucify the dead near the city dump. And so the people, as they came and went, they could throw the garbage before they went into the city, after they left the city, and they would probably crucify the criminals very close to the, to the place of Gehenna, the place of the dead, Golgotha, the place of the skull. Jesus is God's perfect lamb, just as Isaac was Abraham's sacrifice. God said, now I know. Now I know if you're willing. Now I'm willing. He said, I see if you're willing, if you're willing to sacrifice your son, then perhaps Christ would be the sacrifice. We see Jesus in that story. Jesus is the second Itzhak. He's the second Isaac. The, the sacrificial lamb, the atoning sacrifice, died in your place, died in my place. And yet God didn't withhold the judgment off of Jesus. He let the judgment fall on him for your sake and for mine to take upon himself the sins of the world to take the beating that should have been ours. And he became God's perfect lamb, perfect sacrifice. And of course, thank God that's not the end of the story. <laughs> he came back to life. He resurrected. That's what Easter is all about. The resurrection day, the resurrection Sunday. That he proved that he had power over death, hell, and the grave. And because he lives, we can live also. That, that ram <laughs> caught in the thicket, right? Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Let's continue here in our cross-reference, Matthew chapter one, verse two B and three. The second half of this, Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Remember the story of Jacob, right? Bethel, the stairway to heaven, up and down. And then as he was an older man, he had 12 sons that became the patriarchs. The second to youngest son was Joseph. Joseph in the coat of many colors. And Joseph had a blood brother, a full brother named Benjamin. 
Remember the story where Joseph was the favorite son because of the coat of many colors? He's like, dad loves me the most. And his brothers hated him for it. And he had visions. And he said, I had a vision that I had a sheave of grain. All your sheaves bowed down to me. Then I had another vision. We had the stars in heaven, the, the sun, moon, and the stars bowed down to my star. And they hated him for his visions and for his dreams. And especially his older brother, Judah, really hated him. He hated him with a hatred that wanted to kill Joseph. He wanted to murder his brother. They saw him coming from a distance when they were watching the sheep. And they said, let's kill this dreamer and his dreams. He thinks he's so special. Let's get rid of him. And of course, some of the other brothers said, let's not do that. <laughs> but Judah wanted to kill him. So they threw him in a cistern in a well without water. And Judah had a temper problem. He had an anger problem. And of course, good riddance to, to a little Joe. He was gone, right? Went off to Egypt. And in the meantime, back at home, Judah grew up. He had wives and sons. And his first son married a woman named Tamar. And so he had a daughter-in-law daughter named Tamar, and this first son died. And in their tradition, in the early Hebrew tradition, they didn't have government programs. They didn't have welfare. The way you would take care of a widow is the brother must marry the, the widow of his brother to take care of her. It wasn't always a sexual relationship, but sometimes it was. And so the brother Onan took on Tamar as his wife, but he would not give her children. He, he denied her the ability to have children that made God very angry, that he would withhold his brother's inheritance from his widow and from her future children. And so God struck Onan dead. And so there was judgment on the family. And later, Judah had a wife. His wife died. And yet he, he had a third son who could also have married Tamar, but he said, don't marry her. She's cursed. I've already lost two sons and I don't want to lose you to this lady. Let's just abandon her. And he's off on a trip with the flock to a, to a foreign village, to a village far away. It seems that no one is around that knows him from town. And he sees a shrine prostitute. He doesn't know it, but the person dressed up as the shrine prostitute was Tamar. She had a veil over her face. She propositioned him. And she slept with him. And she, he went away. She kept his things. When he went back to vi the village to get her, his things, she was gone. He said, Isn't you? she took my staff and my seal as you know, a covenant that I would pay her back. Came back to pay her back and she was gone. And he lost his seal, lost her, his things. And she goes, oh, well, it must have been a transient. She was there and gone. The village said, we don't have a shrine prostitute. What are you talking about? They all started mocking him. He make, embarrassing himself for prostituting, using a prostitute. Goes back home, thinks nothing of it. And then Tamar, who's still in the tribe, she's pregnant. And he shames her. He goes, how dare you? How dare you sleep with someone? How dare you get pregnant? And he, they're getting ready to kill her to <laughs> get rid of her because they see that she uh, has slept around. And she brings forth the staff and the seal and the things that he gave her when he, when he used her as a prostitute. And he said, are these your things? He said, I have to admit, you're more righteous than I am. And of course, he took Tamar on as his wife, but he never slept with her again. She was a part of the family, but it was sexual dysfunction. 
<laughs> Many of us have been in situations with families, in neighborhoods, in churches even, with sexual dysfunction, where things aren't going the way they're supposed to go. People are being mistreated. People are being used. And Judah was kind of a bad dude. He was not a nice guy, kind of a gnarly person, like wouldn't want to get tangled with him. He would cut you. He didn't care. He was willing to do whatever he wanted to do to satisfy himself and to take care of him and his own. You know anybody, any Amer Americans like that? Anybody can be like that on a bad day? My hand is up. I can be like that on a bad day. That's my sin nature. I can be a bad guy. I can be selfish. I can do only what I want to do and I don't care about the consequences to other people. That's the sin nature. Well, later in the story, <laughs> Judah and his brothers are called because of a famine. They go to Egypt, right? And you remember the story? Joseph becomes the vice pharaoh of Egypt, pretty much the second most powerful man in the world. He's divvying up all the food for all the tribes of the world. They're coming and, and uh, he deceives them. He pretends to be Egyptian. They don't recognize him, right? He probably has the Egyptian headdress on and the eye eyeliner, and he's probably all decked out as an Egyptian. They can't tell it's their brother. And, and he's speaking only in Egyptian through an interpreter, so he pretends he doesn't know Hebrew. When they're speaking amongst each other, he knows exactly what they're saying. And then he says he wants his blood brother back. He'd never met Benjamin, you know, his own mother's brother. He was a full blood brother. I want to meet this Benjamin. This is my little baby brother. Bring him to us. Bring him to me. Through this intrigue and deception, he makes them bring Benjamin to Egypt. And he says... Okay, I'll, I'll keep Benjamin. You go home. The rest of you go home. I'm going to keep this guy. And Judah says, oh, no, no. If you do that, you're going to kill our dad. We've already lost one brother. We have to tell you a story. We killed a brother. And it broke our father's heart. And if you lost another brother, we wouldn't be able to live with ourselves. Take me instead. Take me instead. Let's look at Genesis 44. Judah's change of heart. It's beautiful. Genesis 44, 30. Judah speaking to Joseph. And he still doesn't know that Joseph is in disguise. He says, and now, my Lord, I cannot go back to my father without the boy. Our father's life is bound up in the boy's life. When he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We will be responsible for bringing this gray head down to the grave in sorrow. My Lord, I will make a pledge to my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him that if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear the blame forever. Please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy and let the boy return from his brothers, um, with, with his brothers. For now, how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I cannot bear to see what this would do to him. Chapter 45, Joseph could stand it no longer out, all of you. And then he cried out to his attendants. He warned, wanted, them, wanted to be alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. And then he broke down and he wept aloud and his sobs could be heard throughout the palace. And the news was quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Come over here, he said. So they came closer and he said to, to them again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into to, uh, Egypt. 
But don't be angry with yourselves that you did this to me, for God did it. He sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. These two years of famine will grow into seven. During the, there will be neither plowing nor harvest. Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah had a change of heart. He started out as a pretty nasty guy. He, he did a lot of bad stuff, but he learned his lesson. Life beat him up to the point where he's like, you know what? I've been a selfish jerk. I'm a murderer. I'm a philanderer. I'm untrustworthy. I am the least and the worst. And he decided to show leadership and he said, you know, I'll lay down my life. And that tribe was a very warning tribe, a very strong tribe. Of all the 12 tribes of Judah, it was Judah and the Levites that separated in the tribes of the south in Jerusalem. And the other 10 tribes went north into a kingdom called Israel. And Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. That Jesus is the prince of people who are screw-ups, who are angry, who are selfish, but have a change of heart, who are strong, who are warriors for God. Amen. That's good news for me. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that I have a Savior who understands my selfishness. He understands my dysfunction. He understands that I do the wrong thing a lot. And yet he knows that my heart can change. And if I'll let him in, he'll begin to soften me and help me to be the man for you to be the women that God wants you to be. That touches me so much. Well, that's the receipt. We're saving the receipts. That's receipt number two. Receipt number three, we're getting here to verse five. Verse four Um, It it continues with the genealogy, but I'm going to speed up here to verse 5. It says, Samson, uh, Salmon was the father of Boaz. His mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, and his mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Now, these, these might sound like obscure names if you haven't studied the Bible, if you don't know these stories. But point number three here today, Max, if you put it on the screen. Jesus, like Boaz is our kinsman redeemer. What does that mean, a kinsman redeemer? That means a family redeemer, a family purchaser, someone who who redeems something on behalf of the family. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer, just like Boaz. Let's look at Ruth chapter four, verse nine through 12. Now keep in mind, Ruth was not Jewish. She was a Moabite. She was from what today would be called Jordan or Transjordan in the Middle East, across the Jordan River, east of Israel. This was not a, a Jewish person. In fact, the people in Moab were probably the, the, the descendants of Esau. So they were not Jewish. And yet she was with um, Naomi, who was a Jew, who had family property in Israel. And she said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. So Naomi says, I'm, I'm going back to Israel. She goes, well, I'm going with you. She says, no, no, don't, <laughs> don't come with me. <laughs> I'm just an old lady. I got nothing. Uh, are you going to wait for me to have babies and then marry one of those babies? No, you stay in Moab. She says, no, no. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. Your God's going to be my God. Your people are my people. I, you're stuck with me for the rest of your life. I don't care where you go. I'm with you, lady. And that's, that's what happens with Ruth. Of course, Ruth is young and she's attractive, right? Her husband has died. Naomi is older. 
they go back to her home village and there's this land that she can claim, but there has to be a man to claim it. And so they start to glean in the fields as poor people do in, in Israel in the ancient times. They would harvest the field except for the corners. So poor people would be, could harvest the corners, take the grain, take the sheaves, take whatever they were growing, and they could eat. That was their poverty. That was their food bank back in the day. That's how they got food for free if they were poor. Or they could come behind the harvesters, and after the harvesters had gathered everything up, they would miss a few things, or a few sheaves would fall on the ground, or there'd be a few things that they didn't get to. And the poor people were allowed to gather behind the harvesters. And one of these harvesters was named Boaz, and he had a bunch of workers with him. And he said, leave a few handfuls on purpose. Leave a few extra hands for this Ruth. She's a godly woman. She married Naomi's sons. They died in Moab, but she's come. She's with a godly lady. Leave a few handfuls on purpose for her. So she's like, oh, wow. She, starts, she goes home with this huge basket, shows it to Naomi. She goes, where did you go today? She goes, I went to the house of Boaz and I got all this free food. Amazing. Go back there again tomorrow <laughs> and tell her who you're with. That you're, that you're related to Naomi. And she begins to see the connection there. And Boaz thinks, hey, there's something pretty special about this Ruth. And he's older, she's younger. But during the harvest time, Naomi gave, gave her some dating advice. She goes, now, I know the harvest goes all day and all night long. You only sleep for a few hours at midnight. And then you get up early in the morning, you keep going. Well, when the harvesters are sleeping at the threshing floor, here's what I want you to do. Just... Come on over to Boaz's feet and just cover yourself with your blanket on his feet. It's like, really? Yeah, just do that. He wakes up in the morning and there's this sweet lady, Ruth, <laughs> laying at his feet. And she goes, my daughter, you're too kind. What are you doing? And she, she explains that, you know, what's gone on in her life. And, and he says, you know what? I, I'd like to marry you. He goes, but there are other, there are other people that could claim this land. But we'll go, to the, we'll go to the court, we'll go to the city court and see if anyone else wants to redeem the land. Otherwise, I'll marry you and, and we'll redeem your land. And we'll get the family possession. And long story short, Boaz became the kinsman redeemer with Naomi and Ruth. And within Ruth is the bloodline of David. And within the bloodline of David, we have our savior, Jesus. That's the receipts. We can follow <laughs> the kinsman redeemer. Jesus, like Boaz, is our kinsman redeemer. Our family inheritance comes through Jesus. Most of us in here are not Jewish. Guess what? You still get to inherit all the promises of Israel because we've been adopted in by our kinsman redeemer, Jesus. He has redeemed us. And now, just like Ruth, we are inheritors of the promises of Israel. We don't replace Israel, but we've been grafted in to this beautiful family of God. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. You're adopted. You're in the family. You can't get out now. You're in the family. I love it. I love it. All right, let's keep going. Matthew. I know I'm silly, but it keeps you awake, so that's good. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to keep following the trail of receipts here. Number 4. Verse 6, and Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. His mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Point number four, Max, Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the son of David. You know, Jesus is not only the descendant of 
David. He's the very son of God, the incarnate son of God. That God chose a virgin, impregnated her, <laughs> and Joseph, the, the, the husband of Mary, was the stepfather of Jesus. Jesus was the very, the very son of God. And I love what Jesus said about himself with King David in Psalm 110.1. He said, the Lord said to my Lord, humble, um, I, humble your enemies and make them a footstool. He says, come sit and, and, and be with me. David saw Jesus from afar off in the spirit of prophecy. Here's what he says about Jesus. Now picture this. This is a thousand years before the crucifixion. And David sees the suffering Messiah. David sees Messiah, the son of David, is seen in his actual crucifixion. You could call this the crucifixion psalm. Imagine this is written 1,000 years before the crucifixion happened. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why do you remain so distant? Why do you ignore my cries for help? Do you remember Jesus? He said this on the cross. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said it in Aramaic, and some of them thought, because he said, Eloi, Eloi, that he was crying out for Elijah. But he wasn't crying for Elijah. He was saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting David, and David's seeing Messiah suffering. Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy. The praises of Israel surround your throne. Our ancestors trust in you, trusted in you, and you rescued them. You heard their cries of help and saved them. They put their trust in you and were never disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. And they sneer and shake their heads saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. And then verse 16. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil uh, gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. A thousand years before the crucifixion. They pierced my hands and feet. I can count every bone in my body. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my clothes among themselves and they throw dice for my garments. Do you remember what the Romans did? They threw dice, they cast lots for Jesus' robe. A thousand years before it happened, David, not only a king, a prophet. Oh Lord, do not stay away, for you are my strength. Come quickly to my aid, rescue me from a violent death, spare my precious life from these dogs, snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. Then I will declare the wonder of your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among all other of your people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him with all your descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored the suffering of the needy. He has not turned and walked away. He has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you among all the people. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. People from every nation will bow down before him. For the Lord is king. He rules over the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Let all mortals 
those born to die, bow down in his presence. Future generations will also serve him. Our children will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those yet unborn. They will hear about everything that he has done. Isn't that miraculous? That David saw the crucifixion a thousand years before it took place. He saw the, the hands being pierced. He saw them casting lots for his clothing. He saw the gaunt nature of our Savior being crucified. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. That's why I can't help but believe in the Bible. It proves itself intellectually. It proves itself historically. It proves itself experientially. All you have to do is just try it out. <laughs> just start reading it. Just start engaging in a relationship with God. He will prove himself to you. But you get what you pay for. If you don't put any faith in it, you're not going to get anything out of it. Amen? Amen. That's why we save the receipts. <laughs> because he paid for it. And we have, we got the receipts right here. Point number five, and I'll finish. Verse 8 and 9. Asaph was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the, was the father of Hezekiah. If you've ever read any of Isaiah, you know in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees the Lord in the temple. He says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. The train of his low robe filled the temple with his glory. In that time of Isaiah, of Uzziah, Isaiah sees the Lord. And Isaiah sees Jesus clearly. He gets a vision of the suffering servant. And Isaiah 53, this is too good for me not to read. I have to read it. He says in Isaiah 53, 1, He's speaking he's about Messiah. He says, who has believed our message? To whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot sprouting from the ground, sprouting from a root to dry and sterile ground. But there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to, to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with intense grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way when he went by. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought that his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped so that we were healed. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was as a sheep is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. Keep in mind, this is hundreds of years before it actually happened. But who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins, that he was suffering their punishment? He'd done no wrong, and he never deceived anyone, and he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. So many prophecies fulfilled here. 
But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him, to fill him with grief. Yet when his life was made an offering for sin, he will have a multitude of children, many heirs, and he will enjoy the long life and the Lord's plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied because of what he has experienced. My righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of one who is mighty and great because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among those who were sinners and he bore the sins of many interceding for sinners. Wow, wow, wow. Isn't that amazing? I don't know how someone cannot believe in Christ as Messiah when he's fulfilled so many prophecies written about him hundreds of years beforehand. If they just experience God, believers go, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe what Christ has done. I can't believe who he is. That point number five, Isaiah saw Jesus as the suffering servant. He suffered in our place. And he calls us to say, if anyone would come after me, he must pick up his cross and follow me. That, that's, hard. that's a hard pill to take because we don't want to do that. We're like, can I, can I do the Christian life without suffering, please? Can I just like have the fun part? Can I just be Christian and like get only the gumdrops and the, and the lollipops and the rainbows, Jesus? He's like, no, you get it all. You get it all of it. You get the good parts, you get the bad parts. You get the hard parts, you get the easy parts. You get all parts. You get all of me. You get all of me. And so that brings me to this concept that I want to explain briefly and this help explain the gospel for either in the room or if you're watching is substitutionary atonement. That sounds like a big word or a big term, but it simply means one thing in place of another. You've had a substitute teacher, right? And that's when another teacher comes in in place of your other teacher. <laughs> and the atonement means to make a payment for it's been atoned. It's been paid for. See, you deserved to pay for your sins. You deserve to suffer for the things you've done wrong. But Jesus says, I'll be your substitute. I'll stand in your place. I'll take your beating. I'll take the punishment you should have had. Just let me do it. I know what I deserve. And I bet you do too. But Jesus says, no. I've taken it. Then just receive. Receive my gift. And he holds out his nail-scarred hands, his nail-pierced hands, and he says, there's my gift. Just take it. It's already been paid for. Just receive. And yet we religious people go, oh, no, no, Jesus, I can't let you do that. I, I feel bad. I, I need to pay for it. Those are my sins. I should be punished. Now, yeah, you, you should be. But I, I, already, I already was. So just take my yoke upon you. Learn about me. Because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Learn about me. Come on. Let me adopt you in the family. Let me, let me teach you about my heavenly father. Why don't you grow in the word? Let me put my spirit inside of you. Yes, Jesus. Amen. Are you feeling that? 
That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's God's presence. He's trying to get into you and to give you his peace. It just comes down to receiving the gift. You know, if you, if you ever get a gift that, that you're, the person who gives it to you at Christmas, they're, they're not sure that you'd like it. So they put the receipt in the box just in case you don't like it. And they say, if you don't like it, you can take it back. How many ever get a gift like that? Well, you know what? Jesus is God's perfect gift. And he says, here's the receipt. When I say for us as believers, just throw away the receipt. You don't need it. Because when I throw away the receipt, it means I'm keeping this gift. I'm not giving this one back. I ain't selling this gift. This gift is too good. I'm keeping it. It's been paper. It fits me just right. I like the way I feel in this gift. That's salvation. He says, you, you take the receipt back. You'd be religious if you want to. Try to pay for it yourself. No, 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 Jesus. I'm throwing away the receipt. I want this. I want you. I want who you are. I want you. what you've done for me. Amen. Well, if you want to make the exchange with Jesus today, I know I've gone long, and I'm sorry for that. But the gospel is so important. Maybe you're watching, or you're in the room here today, and you need to give your life to Christ. Pray this prayer with me out loud. Loud and proud, as bold as you can. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. According to the scripture. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope you enjoy that message as much as I have enjoyed preparing it because it's so powerful what Jesus has done. I have a, I have a quick survey question for you. And I'm not, do not do this to embarrass you, but I, I want to give you an opportunity. How many of you have not been baptized since you believe. Maybe you were baptized as a baby, but you have not been baptized since you became a Christian. Anybody? Okay. Well, maybe <laughs> we are planning on a family swim night in baptism, but we, if we don't have anyone that needs to be baptized, I might postpone that event. Is that okay? All right, that's good. Unless someone online wants to be baptized, you let us know. But I might, I might postpone that event till later because we want to do a, a church baptism swim night. Or maybe we pull out the tank like we did at Thanksgiving last year, and that would be wonderful as well. Um, by the way, if you didn't get one of these, the Summit Press kind of gives you the calendar of events. You'll notice some of the interior posters talking about what's happening around here at Summit Church during the spring and summer. Just avail yourself. Maybe take your phone and just take a picture of that poster so you know what's happening when. Mark your calendars. Make your plans to join us for that. This Thursday is our second training night for the Alpha course. And we're excited for another season of Alpha. And I'm especially looking for people who know how to use Zoom. I want to help us uh, pull off doing some of the Alpha online ministry. But 6.30, we have, uh, well, I would say this. We prepare food at 5. We pray at 6. We welcome guests at 6.30. We have a, a talk and a discussion at 7. And we would love to have you on the team. We've got about five or six people on the team right now, but we'd love to have a lot more than that. And then the launch of the Alpha Night is on the 24th. 
and I'm trying to get a country band to come out and play on that night, and maybe, maybe a DJ, we have some special stuff, kind of an event that night to bring everybody out to the party for the launch of Alpha in this semester. So why don't you stand with me? I'll let you guys go. We want to encourage you to partner with the ministry. Hit the donation box in the back. Thank you for all the donations today. In the, in the, Johnny, you want to tally up the score while I'm praying? and see, see, every, every cash gift is seven points and every can is three points. Band, and you can count the other one. But let me give the, give the blessing. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. Lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. All right. So. Seven in cash and three in cans. Okay. And that's all? So three, three cans, so that's nine points plus how many bills? The number of bills. So each bill counts for seven points. Yeah. Whether it's a 20 or right. A, it doesn't matter the, yeah. the, what the denomination is. Seven bills. Seven bills? Yeah. So that's 49, 50, 58 points in that box. Okay. How many cans? Oh, there's an eight bag. Where's the bag all one? I think I think I will count each can individually. So you have 58 points over here. Some got more of them. Oh no, we might have to count the eight pack. How many cans are in the eight pack? <laughs> of course there are. Of course. Someone do eight times. So 20, 24, someone do the math. 24 plus 48. 58. 24 plus 58. Well, how much is. Oh, yeah, but you have to put it in the box. 24 plus 58, somebody. Definitely, it's, it's the L.A. Rams, everybody. You pick the L.A. Rams for this. I'll post the score online. I can't do all that math in my head. I'm more of a words guy, not a math guy. So thank you for coming. We just bless you this week. Hope to see some of you on Thursday night. We'll continue our Jesus in the Old Testament series next Sunday. Have a wonderful week. Be safe out there. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. I'm gonna. I will not live that one down. I know. That one caught you. Yes, L.A. Rams, definitely. They, Rams have got it. So now, when I'm not on the spot, I can keep a tally. Alright, so that's a 24 points, right? Three times 24. Count up the. Uh, hey Max, you play music?
Okay, the official prediction is Rams 82, Cincinnati Bengals 38. Now, don't take it to Vegas because you'll probably lose, but that's our prediction as a church. task force really needs it. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hanson. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.